Welcome back to the Working Out the Inside podcast. This is episode 18, What is Good Therapy? I'm Andrew Nargawal of Advanced Psychotherapy and Healing Associates in Creskill, New Jersey. In this segment, we will look at these questions and more. How do we know the psychotherapy we are doing is working? What are the components of good therapy and a good therapist? How can we judge as patients if it's the right kind of therapy for us? When is it time to make a change in our treatment? In the very first episode, we talked about defining psychotherapy, finding a therapist, what school of therapy might be effective depending on the situation, and so on. But what happens once you're in therapy and are trying to decide whether to continue? Believe it or not, this is a difficult issue for therapists themselves. I've had more than one therapist express doubt or question if his or her own therapist is really the right fit. Often I hear, I really like my therapist, such a nice person, but I don't know if I'm really making progress. Do you have to like your therapist for therapy to be effective? Not necessarily, and in fact, there may be feelings in the transference or counter-transference, which are the feelings our therapist can trigger in us or that we are projecting onto our therapist. They're important to identify and work through. But you do have to trust your therapist, not right away, but as the relationship develops. Studies have shown that the quality of the relationship in therapy is the number one predictor of it being successful work. That means, for one thing, the clinician has good boundaries. Any therapist who attempts to have a relationship with you outside the treatment room is not someone you can trust or work with. Psychotherapists have the strictest rules against having a dual relationship with clients. That is not a business or romantic or sexual or friendship or any kind of relationship. There are rare exceptions made for people who live in very rural areas where there may not be another therapist for hundreds of miles. But with the growth of therapy using technology, such as Skype, even that can be avoided now. You also have to trust that your therapist will tell you what you don't want to hear, but need to hear. Never in a demeaning or disrespectful way, but confidentiality is so precious in psychotherapy because there's the opportunity for a kind of honesty in a relationship that we often don't get in our regular lives. Therapy is a relationship, a professional one to be sure, but a relationship nonetheless. And there can be conflict and misunderstanding and hurt that can be worked through with good communication and respect. One of my patients told me years later that he had hated me at first. He would go home and curse at me and let out his anger. Ironically, I was asking him in session to stop using his anger, his anger as a too easy and harmful tool in his parenting and other aspects of his life. He thought that was crazy at first. How could he function without his anger? As our work developed, he became one of my most devoted clients, later returning a couple of times to work on new stages and challenges of his life, adding on his own outside spiritual and physical dimensions to the work and telling others how great therapy was, including some people who eventually also became clients of mine. 
There shouldn't be continual unresolved conflict in treatment, but understanding and overcoming resistance are normal, essential parts of the work. Another client told me that she didn't like going to a very caring therapist because she felt the therapist was pitting her instead of challenging her. I definitely don't think that therapist in any way intended her caring to be interpreted that way. But that's how this particular client took it. And my own style is definitely not for everyone. Our practice is known for clinicians who are present, not distant and unknowable, and who believe that talking is only the first step towards change, not the change itself. There's a lot of verbal interaction in the room. For example, someone who wants a more psychoanalytic reserve therapist, the how does that make you feel therapist, for that person working with me or one of my colleagues would probably not be a good fit. I'm not a fan of putting a set number of sessions on treatment. Insurance companies love to do that, of course. But I do believe that no matter how short or long the therapy goes on, there must be clearly stated goals. Goals that can change over time, of course. But you need goals as basic as, for example, symptom relief. Am I feeling less down, less anxious, more hopeful? Or as broad as, am I learning who I truly am as a person? Am I learning the difference between what I want and what I need in life? I'm amazed when therapists or clients can't articulate what the goals are in a particular treatment. Those goals should be negotiated with the client in an ongoing way, and they don't always have to coincide at first. A patient may not believe he or she has the ability to stay clean and sober, to be in true recovery over time. But it still could be a goal for the therapist. And a client may have a goal of doing therapy without medication. And though the therapist may bring up the level of emotional pain that could result, it's still a valid goal for the client. And you hope over time that the goals of the client and the therapist coincide. A sign that therapy isn't working is when the therapist or the client attempts to use a too narrow or a one-size-fits-all approach. When I started in the profession, I wondered if I should primarily specialize or be more of a generalist. It's great to have specialized experience in a particular subcategory, substance abuse, trauma, sexual abuse. But a holistic overall view of a client is essential for doing long-term work. Having worked in a substance abuse program for some years, it was a tremendous learning experience for me and helped me understand human behavior in general and made me a better therapist overall. Part of it was not identifying a client simply with a particular disorder, but seeing that person as a complex, many-sided individual. Patients can also be guilty of a too narrow view I get calls asking for a certain form of treatment, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, but I'll always say that we don't know what approach we're going to use until we get to know the whole person and the particular needs, strengths, and other aspects of that person. I recently got a call from someone who asked how she could get a particular diagnosis. I said there was no way we could know what her diagnosis would be.
until we worked with her over time. Anyone can be practically anything for a short amount of time. We really start to understand ourselves or others over a longer period of time. A good therapist understands that while psychotherapy is what you do in a room once or twice a week, treatment is every healthy thing the client is doing in the entirety of his or her life. So everything has to be on the table. It doesn't mean you will talk about literally everything, of course, but the ability to do so, to touch on any aspect, has to be there. And the client has to feel that any kind of issue, financial, emotional, physical, sexual, can be brought in without restriction. Beware of therapists or clients who rule out whole categories of discussion. People have said to me they thought their therapist would avoid certain topics because the therapist felt uncomfortable discussing them, such as abuse or suicidality, for example. Such discomfort is very understandable, but it's not good practice. It would be better for the therapist to acknowledge this discomfort with the client, and then mutually the two decide that something is either more a side issue that could be put to the side temporarily, or that it's something core that another therapist would be better equipped to handle. It's a very small universe of therapists I recommend or have hired. Though their approaches all have differences, the uniting factor is integrity. As people and professionals, I trust that they will be devoted to ethical practice and the needs of their clients. These are the kind of people and professionals you would trust your family, your loved ones with. People make themselves extremely vulnerable in therapy, and that vulnerability must never be exploited. With each session, there should be at least two main avenues of discussion. First, is how is the client doing currently? Is their mood better or worse, their anxiety, their functioning, their relationships? So the first thing you want your therapist to look at is just the most basic. How are you feeling today? How have you been feeling this past week? Uh, and in addition, a factor that should always be examined in good therapy is self-esteem. Healthy self-love and self-care, as we've discussed in previous episodes. Gaining perspective is key in therapy, and people have so often lost perspective on who they are and what they have to offer. Their good qualities often get overlooked with our culture's overemphasis on achievement and image, the externalities. Just as you can rank someone's mood or anxiety in a scale of 1 to 10, one can rank self-esteem, so we are hoping to see steady, lasting improvement over time. A person can gain or lose a job or relationship or money or status, but we want to also look at the lasting inner qualities that often go unrecognized, such as compassion, wisdom, empathy, intelligence, not just knowledge of facts, but how we synthesize and use what we know, trust, integrity, and so forth. I'm pleased that more therapists now in supervision will acknowledge that they don't really know who their clients are until they get to know those deeper levels, including what is getting in the way of their patients recognizing those qualities. 
such as bitterness, negative thought patterns, cognitive distortions, lack of healthy perspective, lack of a positive support system, and so on. If you've brought up to your therapist the need to look more deeply, and it hasn't happened over time, a change of therapist might be needed. When I taught writing before becoming a therapist, students would regularly say to me, I have nothing to write about. My life is so boring. And then they would produce these amazing stories of aspects of their lives that many people never knew about them. We should feel that our therapist celebrates who we are and encourages us, challenges us to explore ourselves and our lives more deeply, more fully. Like stories, long-term psychotherapy has a beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes clients think they're ready to leave, but I don't. Sometimes it's the reverse. It's something to work through together, and new chapters may be written in the future. Is a formal diagnosis always necessary? Well, insurance companies require them, and to be fair, sometimes they can be a godsend. When a client has believed he or she was crazy, quote-unquote, and you can show that the condition is actually something many people have and is very treatable, it can mean the start of new, productive work together. On the other hand, when clients or therapists believe that the diagnosis marks the limits of what someone can do or be, then it can be harmful. For example, I've worked with many young people on the autism spectrum, and sometimes they or their parents or schools or other therapists have said, well, I can't do this or that, I, I can't be social, can't have friends, can't succeed because of the label. That is very limiting and harmful. Part of the process of therapy is to work through what a patient is actually capable of without precondition or assumption. Many kids and many adults wind up doing much more than they or anyone expected because the assumption it can't be done is challenged or removed. If your therapist only works on what's wrong, what's negative in your life, the problems, then that's not going to be good therapy. They have to look at the human potential as well. If you feel that you're stuck or struggling in your work, talk to your therapist about it. Any good one will welcome the chance to reevaluate where the relationship is going. If things can't be worked out, trying someone new with a different approach is absolutely an option. You won't be betraying your therapist by making a change. As in any relationship, personal or professional, no one is for everyone. And finding the right fit can be the path towards a very productive work and towards real change in your life. Thank you so much for joining me again. Please rate, comment on, subscribe to the podcast. It's totally free. <laughs> and uh, you can write to me also at amn219 at nyu.edu. That's amn219 at nyu.edu. Until next time.